Warning. Please note that this podcast contains strong language and touches on many topics that may not be considered appropriate for a work environment. If you choose to listen to this podcast where you can be overheard, we are not responsible for the consequences of your decision. You've been warned. show today i mean we'd like to have as queer a show as possible every day but it's pride month still so super gay um actually today we have an exciting show planned for you we have more than one guest um and we'll get we're to gonna have chaos thing. mass chaos lots of lots of people yelling fuck um, <laughs> so oh, and, we're earning and that for- explicit rating Yep, earn that explicit rating, and just so the people, uh, folks at home know, folks that are here know, we're going to curse your feel-free-to-curse as much as you deem fit. Uh, we are, we all have next chromosome, my name is Bill. And I'm Noelle. And we're going to get some house cleaning done before we explain what this show is going to be about, and get everything started. So... We are on all forms of social media. We yeah. have Facebook. We have Instagram. We have Twitter. Um, Instagram basically just has me put memes on it. Uh, Twitter, I basically find stuff to put on Instagram. <laughs> uh, Facebook, Noel Rages. And our associate producer, Brian, also bombards with various links and things of that nature. Make sure that the news gets out there for people to hear. So, if you go to our website, xchromosomepodcast.com, all of our links to all of our social media, plus all of our blog posts, are on that website. Including things, not just that, including our Patreon. Uh, and our, if you want to make a one-time donation, it's helpful, helps us go through battle tech helps us with everything and um basically makes us give a better show for you you know paywalls are a thing and we would like to defeat them there's only so much we can do from the library we love our library but you know they're only open for so long and some things are really hard to access from home exactly whatever wherever you listen to us if you're listening to us on a podcasting platform like, subscribe, rate, review. We do go through, read the feedback if you leave a review, but that helps us with algorithms, which helps us hopefully get more sponsors in the future. Uh, we do have sponsors. Yes, we do. And Bill, would you like to talk about them? Yeah, the first sponsor uh, is um, the book Wiser Guys by D.R. Perry. Uh, Reese that we she went through and asked us for sponsor do sponsorship with us is because she does have characters within the book that she helps goes through and gives good 
LGBTQ uh, uh, characters that people can relate to. This is aimed for young adults, but it's a part of a series that is done like in Prohibition, New England. That's a cool setting. Yeah, with like magic and mayhem and various other things going on. So um, I started reading the book itself. Right now, I will be putting a note onto the, if it's still available, I'll be putting a note onto the uh, show notes. There are reviewer copies available. So read it, review it, um, help out our sponsor with this. Um, It's free at this point for the reviewer copy. So help us help our sponsor out with that. Um, There's never enough queer representation in youth literature. So this is a big deal. This is your chance to make a difference in getting more, making uh, the youth literature scene just that much more queer and giving more kids more representation. Um, as a librarian, th- those reviews matter so, so much. So if you can help out, please do. And second the is going to be from Copper Frog Games. I'm going to be going through and recording with um, the provider, proprietor of Copper Frog Games. Um, he is basically said, here's money to fix your computer bill. <laughs> and um, nice. And I have taken that money to fix my computer. Um, so during during through July and August, we are going to be promoting Copper Frog Games. Um, he has ga- various games coming through, but in, starting in July, he's going to be doing a k- Kickstarter campaign for one of his new games. So we're going to go through and plug that. I'm going to have him on just to do a brief. Uh, segue into one of our future episodes explain what's going on and his game so we understand what's better for him to explain it than for us to explain it. I'm going to see if I can go through and play test it with him because he's started printing some of the stuff out so it should be pretty cool. Sounds awesome. Now should we talk about our two awesome special guests? Well we are two possibly three when our third guest comes on and it's related to it's related to gaming yeah and yeah this is a great pride topic because every time there's something remotely gay in a video game people flip the fuck out um for example what was it assassin's creed whatever forget one of the the, uh, assassin's creed old um odyssey thank you um assassin's creed odyssey people are like but the greeks weren't gay and I'm over here <laughs> laughing. In, I'm over here laughing in classics major, going, "No, they had institutionalized inappropriate by our standards gay relationships." So, fuck you. You're wrong. Read a book. Um. In fact, in Rome, Rome was so gay. How gay was Rome? The juvenile writer of the satires wrote about how exasperated he he wrote a satire about how exasperated he was about how gay Rome was and how men needed to stop wearing fucking girly shit and if he's complaining about it it's you know meant to be a burlesque and you know this is how our society is oh no everything is terrible 
Can we stop being gay? No, we can't. <clears throat> but gaming is a, a, a part of our society. Me and Noel are geek nerds and gamers, and there are so many developers and writers out there that go through that are queer and various other forms of the LBGTQ movement that because being geeks and nerds, I thought we could go through and have them on to talk about developing not just for the developing for all audience, but mostly how writing from their perspectives as writing development, writing and developing from a queer perspective too. So um, we have two guests. I'm going to introduce the first guest first because she, because she was the one that um, said to said uh, gave us which Assassin's Creed it was. Uh, we read the letter last week from this writer. Can you stop dying, Bill? Please, for the love of Christ! <laughs> well, Bill fucking dies. Allow me to introduce Cheyenne, the. Uh, writer and creator of the Llama Me LARP blog. This is you. And hello. I suppose we can also introduce our second guest. Are we all talking at once? I, I don't understand the format here. I don't know what's going on. Uh, and our ah. Hi. Hi. And we, yes, we can. can, can we came on just in time. We'll go through and as might as well go through. We're going to introduce our uh, we're going to introduce our second guest who was able to just pull in right in the nick of time. Um, I found them through Renee Ritchie. Um, Renee pointed me to a, a list of queer writers, developers, illustrators, and things like that. Uh, I'm introducing Jabari Weathers who I saw at, from an illustrating illustrator standpoint with their 7C decks on their website, but they also develop games, too. Yay, cool people. Well, welcome to the show. Yes, indeed. Thank you. It's good to be here. And our third guest, um, some may remember her from Vicarious Identity, um, when it comes down to a person that I really respect in the industry and basically as a person, period, um, I wanted her on my old podcast just for the level of respect that I had. But she's been doing wonders with uh, various LARPs that she helps runs and she's writing. Uh, she has a LARP uh, Velvet Noir. And um, does a blog, Space Between Stories, where it has a bunch of um, basically uh, how to LARP and community aspects of LARPing, which is all deep, great reads. Uh, Erica. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hello. So. Hello. As we mentioned before, this is probably be a little bit of chaotic. So, if you're going to talk over each other, feel free to talk over each other. 
figure it, we'll figure out what's going to go on and go through that. But let's just go through and go down a little bit to get to know each of our panelists. Um, I want to start with Cheyenne because there's one thing I realized when I asked you to be on. Um, I'm a wrestling fan, but I also know what llamaing is. Um, llama, llama, llamaing in LARP is basically you throw up a hand sign to say that somebody is here, so as to let llama me to basically show that you're there, but you have to like go to the bathroom, go take a smoke break, just leave, but you're actually physically there. But the sign for the llama is still is the same exact sign as the too sweet sign for the Bullet Club in professional wrestling. You are <laughs> such a fucking nerd. Oh my oh, god. Man. <laughs> um, I did not know this. <laughs> if I didn't point that out, my professional wrestling fans that now go through and look and look and listen to this podcast because Oh my of, god, like, do, do they do they both look and listen? We we have a we have a couple of professional wrestling fans that look and listen. So they'll be like, You you didn't say mention that? That's important. And I was like, wait. Where all the worlds are colliding, wrestling and LARP and geekery and everything. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I went through your blog and I brought what made you start writing your blog? Um, so basically ennui with my nine to five. Ennui. So uh is so strong. Um I couldn't pick a direction to go with writing. I, I was trying to write like short stories and I got a little bit done, you know, here and there. I would start a big, big ass book and and give up and I have like 10 unfinished book ideas Preach. sitting in my Word folder right now. And then one day a friend of mine turned to me at a LARP and, or no, we were um, in a Facebook message chat. A friend of mine said, um, and he's gay and he said, yeah, at LARP, the heteronormativity that's that's still present there um, is really, it makes me feel really othered and left out. And, like, something in my brain just sort of clicked when I read that I message. That. Um, and I was like, holy shit, that's, that's what I can write about. <laughs> so, basically, I just wrote it as a way to help nerds who struggle a bit with, like, asking people about these things and are kind of afraid of sort of backlash is just sort of an educational resource for people like hey this is a thing that you might do it's not okay but this is how you can change that or like here's a healthy way to handle things because a lot of nerds have social anxiety um so just it's it's kind of a catch-all here's how you be a, a kinder gamer here's how you be a healthier gamer and then sometimes i have like random rants that's Cheyenne, pretty- we're going to have to cross post or guest post on each other's blogs because I've been doing very much the same thing, but from a designer point of view. And uh, I look forward to talking to you more. Yes. I just wanted to cut in here briefly and say that since you introduced your blog so well, and that's awesome <laughs> and desperately needed. And something from the player point of view is really, really important as well. So I can't wait to read. Which is, I was going to segue into Erica. Uh-huh writing from the developer point of view for similar reasons. Yeah, we actually, this is the second year of my blog, and uh, each year we have a guest post 
uh, for Pride Month and all of my blogs revive around or revolve around queer gaming. And um, this year, my first post was how you normalize queerness in games. We don't have to develop worlds that are so heteronormative, but so many people do out of habit because that's how they grew up. And so it takes a lot of designers and a lot of storytellers to take an extra step, step to go like, this is a fantasy world. Why is our fantasy world so heteronormative? And it's so easy to develop worlds that or can be queer in 10 million different ways, you just actually have to take the extra five to 10 minutes while you're working on it to do that. So that was my first post that I wrote this month. And then we've had posts um, from Rose Jackson this month who wrote about how to handle non-conforming gender gender, um, gender people in your LARP. Uh, it was mm-hmm. amazing. It taught me so much. And um, yeah, so... There's a lot of things that need to be taken into account and it's really challenging as players and as designers when we've all been raised in the society which has othered all of us. And we're finally, I feel like, at least in Northeastern American LARP, which is where I live and work, we're getting to the point where being queer and LARPing is pretty normal. It's way more queer than most spaces I'm in and yet our games and our designs aren't actually all that queer, so they're not even reflecting the community in which we are playing. And I think that's because of the way that we've been raised. That's Mm -hmm. just the way that we started telling stories and we're told we have to tell stories. So now we really need to take the next step and go, hey, it doesn't have to be a special queer game. We don't have to run uh, Just a Little Loving, which is an amazing queer LARP that tells specifically very hard queer stories about being queer during the AIDS crisis. You can just have queers be normalized in your games. Yeah. And this is how you do it. And it's really important that we all start doing that so we do reflect our community better. So those are my thoughts. And I talk a lot about the blog on it and the design, the game that I'm specifically designing right now is very normalizing for queer folks uh, in a way that people are like, oh, I thought you just had to be queer to play this LARP. And I'm like, no, it just isn't a big deal if you are. Um, Yeah. So it's been great. And that's what I do on my blog. And hopefully I'll get a chance to talk a little bit more about the game design later. But honestly, my blog is good for more than just LARPing. A lot of the stuff, especially during our queer months, is any sort of games you are designing. If you are creating something in a creative space, be it board game, tabletop gaming, LARPing, even interactive theater, these are tips and tricks everybody can use in a design space. I'm going to have to pick some of that up because I've discovered through um, random happenstance and chance and luck and a whole bunch of other things that um, I run a Discord Vampire the Masquerade game and we all know the roots of VTM is stupid edgelord bullshit. Oh yeah. Yeah it is. So so I take all this stupid edgelord bullshit and it's V20 stupid edgelord bullshit Um, so it's slightly better but the space I've created on my server is gay as fuck. It is so queer. <laughs> and just everybody creating an environment where it's not a big deal seems to be critical in 
making it in normalizing it in gaming we have this ridiculous pair of useless lesbians and i love them both the players are the players are queer <laughs> their characters are queer everybody is cheering and shipping them and it's wonderful and everything is opening and supportive and yes. all i all my rules were don't be a dick don't use pejoratives really what the rules come down to and i like what you just said about being queer is just not a big deal and useless lesbians a big thing i talk about is in velvet noir which is the game i'm designing you're everybody's in gangs and you're in gangs about minorities but everybody across mm -hmm. the board seems to be pretty queer and it was really freeing for a lot of our players because if they were like the token queers in a space they almost felt like they had to represent all of queer culture for everybody which means you have to be on your best behavior. You can't just be a person or you can't play like a shitty person as a character, which is often quite fun, actually. So oh. being able to be queer and also a useless lesbian is a lot more fun and still, instead of somebody being like, well, you can't show lesbians that way. You have to be respectful. And you just want to be like, I am a lesbian. I can be disrespectful to my own person. And sometimes I want to be useless. It, it's funny because literally one of them has their Discord tag as is useless, useless lesbian. Amazing, like, and <laughs> it's it's from that Twitter story about the the chicks at the Catholic school and the the one friend tripped and the other I mean, friend screamed at her, "Tiffany, you useless yeah. lesbian, go help her!" And it's like it just the messy, <laughs> open. We're just humans with a weird diet and. Diet and sun allergies, and we are trying to figure out how to exist forever, <laughs> and everything is awkward. It's just been such a beautiful, messy, very real, organic. I fucked up. I got distracted because girl kind yeah. of dumbness. <laughs> it's great. It's the best <laughs> stupid story, and it won't stop. And I will, and I just refuse to let anybody hurt my precious gay baby my my precious gay babies they're adorable Amazing. and i want to go through now and um bring us go talk to jabari now i found you Hello. through a list of queer designers illustrators developers that i believe is going around on medium um Yes. It, yeah, yes, I went, I went. That's cool. That's I went through this. Like, all right, <laughs> let me go through because I had, I had a player writer, I had developer. I was looking for an illustrator, and I went to the illustration. And I'm like, <clears throat> let me contact them, and I contacted you, and you responded, which is great. Um, when I first saw your, I first saw you because of your illustrations page, your portfolio there. Because of your 7C decks. Um, I played 7C for the first time this year. Um, it's a great game. And I see what through the art that you came through, it shows well. But when I went through recently, when we were trying to get coordinated for your sound check, I noticed that you develop through uh, lunarveil.press. Um, can you? I really couldn't get much information, but can you tell us more about that? Yeah, uh, so right now I'm working on the first release that I'm hoping to put out through Lunar Veil Press, 
and it's an epistolary role-playing game called The Dire Situation. And as far as it pertains to our discussion tonight about diverse gaming and queer gaming, um, there's a lot of the pre-made scenarios for the game actually are in a setting that I've been working on, uh, which is a city called Folly. Um, and I'm trying to make it a very normalized, but very like queer and very expansive uh, space in terms of the representation of gender, as well as like, it's it's a fantasy city. Uh, it's basically like the game is essentially dangerous liaisons, the role-playing game. Um, and the way that, um, so so everyone in the city is like very, like very big egos and like um, intensely flamboyant ambitions and such. And the the way that I'm trying to go about handling uh, making that world really inviting for players is by actually um, normalizing the idea that there aren't like any set binaries gender wise. Um, and even I've, I've been thinking through like what what are like fantastic pronouns that uh, could be easily swapped out with any actual pronouns that your table is using or um, that also sound good and sound like easy to utilize if you wanted to keep in in fiction. Um, so yeah, I'm Lunarville Press. It's it's just what I'm planning to put out games under. It's just kind of the name that I'm hoping to put out my designs through. And that's the first thing that I'm working on publicly. Oh, that's awesome. What type of bridges or steps have you do you feel that people should focus on to try to and I understand don't be a dick is a major issue, uh, but what type of steps do you think that people should focus on to bring a more inviting environment overall into their games for everyone? I would say pronoun patches are a pretty good, like, visual, obvious, like, normalization method. Like, even if you're cis, it's great if you're wearing a pronoun patch because that lets non-cis people know, hey, this is this is a space where it's safe to just wear my pronouns, like, literally on my sleeve. Um, one of the LARPs I'm in, that's a pretty um, normalized thing, and they have their own branded pronoun patches, for example. That's cool. And yeah, I like that idea. And I like normalizing pronouns. It's something we've, we're doing one here with this podcast because we want to remember how to pronoun. And I'm doing it on my Discord server just as an out of character. It's who these players are. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I'm going to echo in with pronoun patches or pins are. Very good. We almost introduced them in wrong, and I was like, no, we're having some issues. We should make them mandatory. And then we had some feedback from the community going, mandatory is also uncomfortable because the non-binary gender folks at that point feel forced to pick a box, even if they can change that box. And there's some other issues. So we've now settled on the if you are comfortable, yeah. please wear pronoun patches, whether you are gender non-conforming or not but it is not an obligation to anybody. And the other thing that we really enforce in all of our introductions are anytime you give your name, 
whether it's out of character or in character, give your pronouns the moment that you give your name and just mm -hmm. make it an open, comfortable thing that we're always talking about pronouns and they could change at any point in time. And that's totally chill. Just make certain you ask if, if they've changed. And if you're corrected, go back and say, understood, thank you. Use the right pronoun, carry on. Don't be victimized by, oh no, I use the wrong pronoun. I'm the worst person ever. No, it's make it an everyday normalized part of life. Um, there's so much discussion around the the pronoun issues that it's important that, yeah, you do everything we can to normalize uh, making certain everybody's using the proper pronouns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point, too, about the not turning it into, oh, dear, I've misgendered you. I'm horrible. It's like, no, you just yeah. say, oh, sorry, he, and move on. Yeah, that gets exhausting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's Yeah, I, I've lived no. with roommates that are, that use they, them pronouns, and usually at least once they slip up and I'll use misgender, and my immediately response is crap, and then I read gender properly, uh, because I'd rather just go crap and get out of the way um, to know that I made the mistake and move on. It's like, right, saying crap? makes me go through and remember it properly. <laughs> um, like, for example... Oh, go ahead. Like, for example, right now with the um, Discord server here, um, Cheyenne, Cheyenne calls themselves genderfuck. Uh, and they don't care. So I put all the pronouns on the... <laughs> yep, so, have you no have fun. taken all the pronouns, there are none for anyone else. <laughs> It's mine. It's my rainbow. None for you. You can take them. Um, I also found um, important things for us to be discussing. I work a lot in uh, historical adjacent gaming or history inspired gaming, and uh, it, the, all of history was queer, whether it was Roman That's or so Greek queer. or all the it. Wild West or Britain. There have been queer folk everywhere. In every period of time, they've been erased by a lot of historians. It doesn't mean that they are there. And so getting all yep. of these articles and doing all this research on the scraps that we know about queer history and just having that accessible to anybody in my historical gaming realm, because that is not an excuse. And I've heard it from so many people that do history adjacent no. or history reenacting gaming going, well... Queerness is for other games. And I'm like, no, my friend, please actually study your history. No, it's not. If queer folk have always been, always been here. Yeah. Also, fuck you. Like, <laughs> who gives a shit if we're historically accurate about our fucking romances? Get the fuck out of my fucking personal life. As if romance has a particular historical yeah. axis of, of accuracy. Yeah, it's, it's absurd. Um that queerness is still treated as such a weird as as an anomaly it's not it's not anachronistic it's not something that's new um i think it's really important uh when trying to make a space uh feel safe and welcoming to also normalize it by um indicating that like hey <laughs> this this aspect of your identity like this is for you and like this isn't a thing that just sprung up in the last year like <laughs> yeah you're like <laughs> no sorry no it's okay it's i i try i suppose when it comes to like making a space uh welcoming to 
um, like queer players and such, it's for me, it's a more granular um, process of uh, laying out really clear safety tools um, as well as um, getting everyone on the same page on in terms of uh, how your table identifies the people that are there. Um, and yeah, even even having anyone who falls in a societally like normalized um, scale to participate in that self-identifying process so that it doesn't feel bizarre. Um, I had actually had a player in a playtest at a convention uh, this year um, who was a cis male. I, I, and wouldn't, when everyone was giving their pronouns at the table, like he, he initially had like refused to actually like just buy in there, but it seemed like out of spite, like it was just, it, like, it seemed very strange. Um, and when we were asking for just pronouns, like he was, he was just like, no, like listing his name in, in a combative way. And it just changed the temperature of the entire table. So if, I understand the, the option of being able to like not list your pronouns and like respecting that boundary, but like don't turn it into something that's combative. Is it? Yeah, I everything. understand what you're saying by that. I used to be very much against being called cis until I started hearing more from the. LGBT community because I was like what you're labeling me? You don't want to be labeled but you're labeling me. What the heck? But I you you have to stop listen and learn and when it, it was explained to me no one sat down and explained it to me but I actually stopped to listen to people around me talking about the issue not directed at me but it's like the the running thing on this podcast is is that i am easy mode i am the cisgender white straight man i am default gameplay i have things catered to me because of those issues one of the things that i have to do that many of the people like me have to learn how to do is shut up and listen to your surroundings so you could empathize. Emph- yeah, emphasize. Emph- yeah, I can't speak with your surroundings. <laughs> uh, but that also is because of the toxic cultures that we've all been given as men. So it's hard to rewire, but I'm hoping that the person that you had at your table will one day understand why it's important. Yeah, and I think that what the last thing that I want to say about important things to do, the fact that you did learn, Bill, that's one of the most important things of knowing we're going to fuck this up. All of us have been raised in not a very healthy society. Even if you're queer, you will fuck things up. I am very white, and I will definitely fuck things up because I am privileged in that way. And so being dedicated to 
I will mess up. Please help me get it right. If you have patience with me, I want to understand. That is so important. Um, on the webpage for the company I run, Entropic Endeavors, our main mission statement is Entropic Productions is about failing forward, learning, and growth. We just go right out front and say, we're going to eventually mess this up. We're trying to do some dangerous new things, and we're not all a part of all different societies and cultures. So when we mess up, have some patience with us, and please teach us. And we feel honored anytime somebody stops to correct us. Stops to be like, hey, friend, hold up. You did something that was you know, not healthy or slightly damaging or not respectful, because if they're willing to have that conversation with us, that is a gift of honor. That's a gift. That's something saying they are open to this friendship and open to this relationship continuing, and they want to be teachers, and they're doing that emotional labor with us, and that needs to be really respected and honored. So when we do mess yes. up and we learn, being dedicated to quickly apologizing, accepting that critique, and then actually learning... That's so important in all of this narrative. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, a lot of people are, uh, I guess I would describe it as burnout. Most of the, I would say, well, white male cis folks I, I talk to are just kind of leery of talking about the topic at all. Um but uh, I mean, you killed all yeah. the nice gays, so you're left with us. Um, so, but what I do um, for uh, Pride Month, I realized that like I could start. Um, it hit me that I could make these like guides, and the idea is to I call them like quote unquote no judgment guides, where I'm like, exactly how you said you're gonna fuck it up. It's okay if you don't understand it. Just be respectful. Just. You don't even have to understand what's going on. Just just be kind. Um, so I just started going down like the gigantic list of uh, LGBTQ plus uh, terminology. So I've covered like trans, intersex, non-binary, um, the bi's, bi-gender, bi-romantic, bisexual. Um, I do like three three a post. Um, I did like agender, aromantic, asexual, and like I, I start them all out with like, "Hey, I'm not here to yell at you or be pissy at you. It's cool if you just don't get this, but here's what you need to know about it in a safe environment to just kind of get people who might be very resistant to learning to feel comfortable um, with change. And once you get them to take that first step, it's it's like a huge like 180. Once they realize, oh shit. <laughs> I'm 40 and I'm gonna be 41 next month. So a lot of this information that's coming through is very new, has to go through processing my brain, and I'm sitting there going, I don't understand 99.9 of this stuff. However, they're being themselves. They're not hurting anybody. So just go with it. And I think that's the best thing that people can do is you're not hurting anybody. I'm here to be able to, I'm going to be as do this best as I can to be an ally. I might not understand most of this because I'm not at your level to understand that, but, you do you. 
I have no complaints. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, one other, I, I think one other thing that helps um, with making at least tables more inviting, more more inviting from like a queer perspective for me at least is um, not when when trying to facilitate um, and acknowledge uh, queer identities at a table, um, not immediately equating queer identity to um, sexuality or sexual content yeah. strictly, like not fetishizing it. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And and that means positioning like what place um, sex has in a narrative and whether it actually belongs in any game that you're you're playing. And there are some where it totally fits um, and there are some tables and people that I will trust with that. But um, something that I see happen a lot um, is that when when there are queer players or players who are inhabiting queer characters at a table, there's just an assumption that also um, the content will immediately become sexualized, um, and that's that's the direction to kind of pull it in from from players who aren't as used to engaging with queer uh, queer content and queer people, uh, and that can get really uncomfortable and be sort of difficult to uh, to prepare for without like front front loading like the conversation about what kind of game you want to be playing. That so. actually comes out in a good question. Um, to the heteronormatives, so to speak. Um, how would you describe what queer content is? Uh, that is, I have feelings about that. It depends oh, on what explain. kind of queer content you're creating. Like, a good example mm-hmm. is I was talking about Just a Little Oven earlier. That is what I would say is a queer-directed, queer-themed game specifically made to tell queer stories and talk about queer history. It is, for LARPing, in my opinion, the highest level uh, of what queerness is. This is as queer as you get. But most people don't even want that sort of content we have to deal with like the backlash against being queer every single day in our lives. Do we really want to, on our vacation, go relive the AIDS crisis? I do, but I'm a very strange, cathartic LARPer. A lot of queer LARPers don't want to. So, so the question is, if you're not telling a specifically queer story in a specifically queer game, how are you handling it? And how do you normalize it, which is what we talked about earlier, at that point, if you know that you've got queer players and you have heteronormative players, especially if they've never dealt with queer players before, putting it right up front going, hey, we've got a lot of different orientations here, but everything here should just be considered normalized. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be a topic of discussion that you were queer unless that person specifically brings it up. And depending on what setting and system you're playing in, if your game can specifically normalize, Queers are as common as being non-queer in this game. It is not a big deal in this space, both in or out of character. That's a good way to introduce it. So it's so the heteronormative players who aren't com, com, uh, com, uh, used to this 
can just go, oh, it's part of the game rules. Just, you know, people can be queer in this game. So whatever. You know, at that point, it doesn't have to be sexualized because it's just a part of life. Um, if you're playing a specific game or you are in histor historical times where you might have those heteronormative players who will be like, oh, there can't be queers in the Wild West. This is, you know, cowboy country. At that point, as a game runner, especially if you know there are queer players at your table, you just up front have the gentle conversation of, we know that the history you've been taught is very whitewashed and very heteronormative. At our table and in our stories, it's okay to be queer, it's okay to be straight in this, but we're not telling a story about that, so please don't make it a big deal. If somebody corrects your pronouns, apologize, use the correct pronoun, and move on. But if you set the rule right up front of, we've got queer folk here, and that's a totally normal, fine thing, and we aren't making a big deal out of it, that's almost, to me, a safety mechanic, and it just lets everybody know what ground they're starting on. Yeah, I think as long as people are being brutally murdered for being queer, then I think that safety, uh, what do you call it, uh, preamble is pretty much essential for a safe space for people. Um, oh, another thing I thought of uh, was, especially when you're creating content, um, it's, uh, it's, it's a good idea to avoid... I guess you would call it tokenism, uh, you know, um, the yep. whole, I am a lesbian and I am a perfect character. I'm like, but that's, that's not realistic. Wait. Lesbians are people. Like we were saying earlier. You mean like the, like the lesbians trope of the magical, like the trope of the, the magical Negro. Oh God. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. God. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh my God. It's when so I first heard that term of the trope, I, w I, w I actually stopped and said, wait a second, and then I started thinking about, I started going through and listing various things that I've read through, and like, thinking, they're not, they're not, they're not, then I really sat and stopped to think, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it'll fuck you up. It'll yeah. really... You know, it's like, one uh -huh. of my, for the longest time, one of my favorite books was um, The Talisman by Stephen King and Peter Straub. Um, and one of the main characters in there is Lester Speedy Parker. And I was like, the, that's the first thing that popped in my head. I'm like, but, but, but he, and then I'm like sitting down, I'm like, it's, it, you, it hits you. And it's like, you're re-reviewing basically a book from your childhood. One of the things that me and Noel say is that when we were kids, we didn't have young adult fiction. We went from kids fiction to adult books because there was nothing in between. There was um, not, there was not much. So I w basically went from uh, Judy Bloom to Stephen King. Uh, so it was a, it was a shift. Um, but it's, you go through and you start looking at things through different perspectives. And and as someone who pretends to be a writer on occasion, I have to watch out specifically for that. Because I'm like, you don't want to... 
lean too heavy on one side or too light on the other. You want believable characters without, and it's it. I see the, how the frustration can come in on that t- level. Yeah, I I think part of because this this gets into, I guess like role playing and fictional questions and like char- like character writing or portraying questions as well. Like part of that is just like I don't know someone's someone's identity is like their identity, um, but in terms of the axes of identity that um, are equated to queerness, uh, it's generally, I think, with at least with a lot of the subject matter that we encounter in gaming and that um, and that players in general want to usually engage with uh, with your <laughs> with like your everyday games, like having adventures and such, when you're thinking commonly and not diving into like really heavy uh like provocative larp um or or role playing like it's kind of a good idea to position uh queerness as an aspect of a character and not like the reason why they're a certain way like oh they're inept because yeah. they're lesbians like like <laughs> like the useless lesbians are not useless because they're lesbians it's because they're useless. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the you're other completely way. helpless and hopeless and a flailing. It's the the you're the, the the thing it was drawn from was the this person is useless because they're a lesbian and this tiny skirt has flashed a very nice ass at them and they're stun locked because of this girl's ass. Um, <laughs> so they cannot move past that. That's a pretty girl moment. But it's it's not like <laughs> that. It, it's the the yeah. They're thirsty. They're That's all thirsty. it is. It's not. You you could say that to a guy. You fucking <laughs> thirsty cishet dumbass. Yeah. What the fuck? You dumb boy. You say the same. Th- and that's the thing. Yeah. That about it. That concept is like seated in a scale of anyone who cares about yeah. sex. Yes. <laughs> um. So, yeah. And just normalizing that in gaming is and in spaces is really important and it's super exciting to have a whole bunch of people who are working on that to talk about and collaborate with live in front of us. Yeah. That's super cool. Absolutely. And you all come at it from such different perspectives like Seventh Seas, a tabletop RPG. We have a player blogger. We have a game developer. Um, So we're kind of getting the whole picture. Which is Mm -hmm. something I'm not entirely sure gets addressed in more mainstream um, venues. I don't consume a lot of gaming blogging because I literally have to sleep sometime. And if I consumed (laughs) all of the intersectional feminist literature that I wanted to consume, I would die of exhaustion within a week. uh, Simply because there's that much to catch up on. So I don't know. I'm glad there's that much of it. I'm kind of white and I'm 40, so I missed some shit. I gotta backtrack. I gotta backtrack (laughs) all, you know, I gotta get all the way back to like the history of burlesque and then the gayness of history 
and get through that and then get to the modern era and realize where white people have fucked up literally everything about civil rights. Everything. Um, yeah. We suck. Down with white own- people. I mean, I would be okay with that. Most white people disgust me and I'm white. <laughs> and we I come at Yeah. We just have things to learn. Yes. Um but Oh yeah. I had to explain race face. Yeah, again. I, I noticed the post that you made again. about race face. Um Ooh, that was a rant. That one was a little less filtered than my normal <laughs> content. Yeah. What I think I actually I heard about you because of that post. And then and then you emailed us. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, <laughs> she's the one that wrote this post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was me. That was First, I did a rant, and then I did an actual constructive thing about how to not do race face. Like, uh, Drow don't need to be black. They should not be black. Drow should be purple or definitely a light gray. Like, not black. Don't approach black with your gray, even. And then I went on with, like, don't do brown. Do green instead for plant people, etc. Blue's a beautiful color. Let's not do red, because that's red face. And don't make yourself look Asian, because that's yellow face. Um, it was just a whole... Here are alternatives to body paint colors. Yeah. <laughs> Which needs to be said because r slash LARP on Reddit, for example, uh, was tearing someone up for uh, saying someone was doing blackface. And it was very awkward because the OP was like, no, it's definitely gray. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, I get that it's gray, but it's like really approaching black. Yeah. Like, Go lighter, maybe? Definitely go lighter. There is absolutely a way to wear black no, body paint like... and not fuck this up. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, one of them is, like, one of the ways is, like, make sure the reason that you're wearing black body paint has nothing to do with, like, race or lineage, even if it's in a uh... fantasy context. Like, it's... Like... Because then immediately, like, that's where that get like, that whole discussion will get inevitably pulled, and should. Like, it... Yeah, and they're like, but it's for pretend. It's like, uh, yeah, no, it, it was for pretend when people were lynching people, too, so yeah. maybe don't do I it. I feel like this Definitely don't kind do of this. goes back to another thing to lay out at your table or in your space, which is you don't get to decide if you offended somebody. Correct. If if a minority no. or a queer no. person or or anybody from a disenfranchised uh, a place says, hey, you messed up, you don't get to say, well, no, I didn't. You have to, it goes beyond, like, failing forward and learning to do better into, like, gently enforcing in your spaces of, if somebody tells you that you messed up, listen to them and informing your player base that that's kind of a rule that is what we do here oh and that's another line that i use in a lot of our spaces when somebody's like well i did somewhere and i go well we don't do it here and i just shut a whole lot of hate and uninformed uh conversation and things down well we don't do that at this table and And if you want to do that please walk away from this table that's other trick tips and tricks to use yeah you tell them to shut the fuck up or leave. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of Shut the Fuck Up Relief. Yeah, we've yeah. had kind of a, a, a awakening in my design community that I'm personally running of, we can just tell people not to come to our games. We're really trying to make our games a safe space, and they don't have to be like a proven sexual abuser to be banned from the space before they ever show up. If we look at their Facebook and yeah. for Damarong, if we look at somebody's Facebook and they've got anything with white power on there or any right wing, you know, uh, leanings or Confederate leanings, because Damarong is nominally a Viking game and, and those guys love the Vikings, we just say, no, here's your money back. We don't want your business. We can just say that. Yeah, it's turning down money, but it makes the space so much safer So for so many different people. And we've gotten so many other queer LARPers and black LARPers and people going, oh, this is one of the first gaming spaces that we actually feel safe in because you're ready to put up, you know, put up or shut up. And you've already banned people just for expressing these points of views, even if they never did anything to actively harm somebody in your space. We're like, well, having those points of views is actually active harm in our space. So you're not welcome here. Yeah, there was a um, Noel and uh, Noel and Cheyenne do Renfair, and there was a recent uh, post that was put onto our page that we're we're, we're notified of. I think either Noel or Brian or both of them posted it to our Facebook page about um, someone trying to pass out things that are showing about white genocide at one of these Viking Ren Fairs. Yeah. And there and the, the proprietors were like, we are not putting up with this shit. If you see this shit, tell us we're getting rid of it. <laughs> yeah, that's it just fucking hardcore bullshit. and I shrieked for joy. Well um, if you and want- I apologize for the, the background um air raid siren that is our void beast Mimikyu. Demanding her dinner. I don't, ah, know, if my mic right. I don't know if my mic is picking it up, but no, I think we're good. No, I don't okay. think so. I heard it for she a second. Is loud as fuck. Yeah, yeah this is my cat. I had to close the door so the cat doesn't have like an anxiety attack. Brian's keeping the cat company. Yeah. Don't worry. But <laughs> if you don't feed the cat, uh, he's like meow. And then if you leave uh, the room while he's eating, he also freaks out and he's like, "Can't eat by myself." A moment of real, <laughs> real hard talk because it's something we've been talking about in my communities of um, bring the hard talk. Okay, hard talk. Charlottesville, the riots and the in the white the white right protesters. Oh, um, they used shield wall tactics, and it only came out very recently that some of them knew shield wall tactics because one of them had been going to Viking reenactment, learned how to use LARP shields, and then taught a bunch of incels and right white uh, white pride people how to use shield walls. And that's why that fight actually went Ugh. more vicious and more dangerous and more protective to the protesters because they used our own fucking tactics against us. And yeah. it was confirmed that one of those guys went to LARP events, learned things there, and then taught them. That was the newest thing that I read. And I'm like, I feel sick. Holy fuck. All right. This is why we have to be so vigilant. Um, yes. We can't just be like, well, he didn't hurt anybody in our community, in our space. And that goes for, people, that. yeah, that goes for 
Proud Boys, that goes for white pride folk, that goes for people who, like, TERFs. Anybody who is expressing, like, an anti-queer agenda, it's dangerous. It is actually dangerous to people. So we have to keep our eyes open. I never wanted to be like, oh, yeah, queer gamers are going to be at the front lines of the next Fight the Nazis movement. But then I read that article, and I'm like, oh, fuck, we are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. By circumstance. Yeah. Yeah, we got to even watch it at Ren Fairs where you're not doing uh, weapons demonstrations. I had a really creepy encounter. It was the year before you came to work with us, uh, Cheyenne. Um, it was, it was, yeah, the season before that, this guy comes up to me and he's radiating vampire edgelord, um, for one, and it's a cloudy and it's a gray day and I'm delightfully swathed in, you know, being warm because it's, I get cold easy and he's looming over me and he, he reaches out and he almost touches me without my consent. So Uh. this is gross anyway. Because this is a gross guy at Renfair, uh, and he says, You have the most lovely Bavarian features. Oh, right. what? <laughs> what? Yes. No. So I went and looked what? it up because I'm like, I'm Irish and German. Wow. As, as I know. Um, and half of that has been equated with, from a white supremacy standpoint, Irish people aren't as white as other white people. Oh. So yeah, this is a whole uh-huh. this is a whole deep dive. Yeah. So oh gosh. I, yeah, it is. I, I feel like we're a on a queer podcast because I have so many feelings too. But yeah, wow. So this, I go and I look up at my yeah. and I'm like, "You're a disgusting human being." And if I ever see you again, I'm going to tell my boss to never let you in the shop again. I haven't seen him. He hasn't come back. But yeah. it was so uncomfortable, and. I'm not a targeted demographic except for recruitment. And he picked the wrong sharp faced bitch to try to sell his bullshit to. I, <laughs> I was like, you're you're weird and you're creepy. And like my body language told my husband who works with me and our boss, who is a very large, vaguely Arabic looking guy um, with a magnificent beard. Um, they just sort of. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a good beard. It's and a good sometimes beard. he's bald, which is great. Um, so you know, he just looks <laughs> big and imposing, and they they just sort of drift over because my body language says this is an unsettling moment. I might need backup, and they were just right there. But I can't imagine existing in a world that's more uncomfortable than that. You know, just that alone makes me want to punch white supremacists because. I was upset and I don't want anybody else to feel like that in my space. And I know there are people who will feel worse just knowing something like that could happen. And I, uh, that's why yeah. we need feminism, feminine, uh, intersectional feminism and yeah. the crushing of white supremacy. Well, I left words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it really, it's eye opening when you, when you realize uh, a lot of the, the norms of either the Western world or imperialism, since it's contaminated most of everything, the, I guess, like modernized, yeah, modernized um, globe. Um, the 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 norms, whether it's it's 
uh, like patriarchy or whiteness or um, like cis cisgender or like any any of these things are currencies um, in and of themselves and that's that's where you get the phenomenon of like of like oh these features are more white than these other features <laughs> and yeah. like um, yeah. like it it starts because it becomes this kind of game where like if if you are marginalized or even if you're uh superficially not um how how much are you buying into those yeah. systems in order to survive as well yeah survival is a bitch yeah <laughs> Um, oh, and another thing too is like uh, Noel brought up intersectionality a couple times. Um, it's very important to have intersectionality in the queer community, mainly because white supremacy is itself intersectional because it's not just white supremacy, it's straight mm -hmm. supremacy, like white supremacy, Christian supremacy, all of the all of the normal things that you know Nazis would kill you for. Uh, it's it's all of that and so we need to not be exclusionary in our spaces because the nazis want to kill nazis all of us nazis gotta so. catch all the supremacies yeah 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 and yeah, i'm gonna nazis, call them what they yeah. are <laughs> yeah I hate these guys. Fuck them. you're nazis why are you calling us nazis because you're nazis why are you calling them concentration are. camps because they're fucking concentration camps the funniest slash saddest about this podcast it's like we're gonna be an intersectional feminist podcast when and when you say that you just basically said we're gonna be talking about everything that is wrong <laughs> yeah pretty much everything's linked turns out we're here calling ourselves on our bullshit and that's why we're an intersectional feminist bo podcast <laughs> Because you have to. That's how you. I won't even say do it right, but that is how we learn. If we're, and if you don't have intersectional feminism, and you aren't including queer issues and race issues in your feminism, then you, you frankly aren't doing it right. And that's why we have turfs. So. Yeah. Or or also the folks who don't want. Jewish ah! people is part of the gay community, and you're like, really, bro? Re really? We're gonna do this? Oh, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. That's that's how I really <laughs> feel. That grunt. Hey, all I know is that I'm listening to everything that's going on while we're just breaking things down. One of these shows mm -hmm. I'm gonna do in the future is just gonna be uh, basically a queer rant rumble. It's like <clears throat> topic talk and just like dropping a grenade and let everything explode because as much as we're <clears throat> getting out all the talk about this it's i'm just sitting here like okay i'm learning i don't have to do much i just say here's a topic let me just drop this and run <laughs> yeah we're like piranha you know we just but, it's some, but the thing is it's like Sometimes, if you're not doing, if you're not doing it to be like, basically, if you're not doing it to be a dick, if you go through and actually bring up topics to people and get their reactions, you can learn a lot from the reactions. Like, okay, this is really bad, and based on these reactions, I can tell how bad it is 
so I could research on my own so I can learn. See, but that takes empathy, which power and which I can't pronounce, as we found out. Pronouncing it, yes. <laughs> I mean, you do cry at literally everything. <laughs> there was an incident. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I, I do cry at everything. I just can't say why I cry. Uh, Erica wants to talk about designing... <laughs> Oh, yeah, so I really just want to talk about Velvet Noir for a few minutes, which is my baby and has to do with almost everything we've discussed tonight. Um, Velvet Noir uh, has been nicknamed by our players as Be Gay, Do Crime, The LARP. And it's yes. set in uh, 1928 yes. alternate history America in the city, like the Sin City. It's a disambiguation of New York City and Chicago and Boston all kind of shoved into one. But... Um, uh, some my cool. one of my partners asked me about seven months ago, what would you design if you wanted to design a game that was all your own? And I'm like, I want it to be a noir, and I want there to be like long longing looks and lots of guns and drugs and liquor and hard noir twenties stuff. But I also really want to. We have a lack of minority writers in the LARPing community, and I want to pay my writers. So I'm just kind of like go out there and look for as many minority writers that are willing to write about their own cultures in 1920s America and give them money to do that for that and all the emotional labor that is going to follow with teaching a bunch of white folk and some straight folk about your culture in the 1920s. Um, and then we're going to make a LARP and we'll see how it works. <laughs> and, uh, and we did, and we have learned a remarkable amount of things. Um, the game has normalized queerness because the kind of NPC staff run family are the queer family. Basically our setting is uh, everybody, all the guys went to the war in 1917 and all the girls got real gay and the guys came back from the war real gay and we were all <laughs> real gay in the early 20s. And then the 20s got darker and prohibition set in and the morality movement set in and the, the white men who were fighting for their country came back and tried to retake their spaces that different minorities and the queers had taken over and what that fight is. And now we're in 1928 and the gangs are losing. So we have a Jewish gang written by Samar Metzler. We have a Latinx game written by Brenna Beatty, or a gang. Um, we have a black gang called The Root written by Shaheen Rogers. And then we have an Asian gang written by Victoria Lai. And they literally put the history of their cultures down on paper and said, you can play from our culture. If you are from that culture, you've done enough respectful research. Or if you want to be in our gang, you can play an ally. And you are literally here to learn about our culture and learn how we are being oppressed in a space that we own. And then if you aren't comfortable being a part of any of the cultures, you can play in the culture that I wrote, which are the civilians, which are literally the allies and the people who pass. They're the ones that if they kept their heads down in the city, they would be okay. They could get through this morality movement war. They could get through the, the Christian morality movement and the, the white businessmen coming back and taking everything back but they got to keep their heads down. So if you're a civilian, do you learn how to be an ally? Do you learn how to respect these cultures? And do you sacrifice your own livelihood to support minorities and your own comfort to support them? Or do you survive while a bunch of people you knew die beneath the boots of oppression? 
and and it's the game we designed and it's really dark and instead of looking at these issues and going no we're a fantasy land where these things don't happen we said no they happen they're actively happening um our first event there was a cop raid and they raided every single gang's territory and they shot a bunch of people and they arrested a bunch of people and there was a whole ton of cop violence and everybody pulled their factions together and fought against it and went, hey, we're often warring, but tonight they're they're coming for all of us. So you sneak people through the Roots Theater and the Nispaka have their own hospital. So you get people to their, their med center and we all work together. And when the news of the raids came into the gang or to the game, all of the gangs closed ranks. They went to their corners and they planned and it left the civilians and the white folk kind of standing alone in the middle of the room with nobody to support them and nobody even wanting to talk to them. And um, we had a player named Andrew, who was a middle age, a getting middle-aged cis het presenting white guy. And he's like, that was the first time I ever felt othered in my life i didn't good get it i have never been in a space good. that wasn't that was, mine that was amazing. and it was very clearly not my space here yeah. and i've even had a few uh players from the minority cultures go hey i'm really worried because i'm straight and i'm het and i don't know if this game is for me and i'm feeling really weird because it feels like it's not my space and i went lean into that feeling that's how you learn that's how we felt yeah. in every other game in the world. Yeah. This game is specifically designed to yeah. other the normal people and to empower God. the minorities and empower the queers. And I wasn't certain yeah. that that design would work, but it worked fantastically so far. And um, it's been terrifying. That's awesome. But it's been a That's real amazing. learning experience. And there can be empowerment in facing the awful things that we go through and calling it on the carpet and, and yeah, I think empowering people in those situations to fight back in a way that they can't always in their everyday life. So that's my ra long ramble on what velvet noir is. <laughs> that's fucking amazing. No, that's I'm real proud of it. Amazing. And I'm proud of our writers. <laughs> so, so proud of our writers. They're amazing. Holy cow. You've basically created like a giant, empathy building tool yeah I we love have so we're much. talking about um, yeah. redesigning it in a theatrical context as an allyship ship um teaching tool basically so that's a thing for down the line because i think larp and theater live at a very interesting intersection nowadays um so one I of agree. these days, in the yes. next few years, we got to survive our first year as a game because it is a campaign LARP. We're going to do this three to four times a year to people. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Punch them repeatedly. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks, guys. That's Thanks awesome. for letting me ramble on. <laughs> yeah, no, continue. I mean. Yeah. I, I love. Oh, oh, no. Sorry. I was just um, being excited about that. No, please talk about this forever. It's incredible. <laughs> but you have awesome your uh, stuff too I, so talk about your awesome stuff yeah no i i just i i really love games that are willing to be provocative if they're coming from a, a place that's supposed to build empathy um one of the other projects that i haven't like widely talked about but i've actually been working on since um since art school five years ago yeah. um <laughs> it has like really evolved with um with my understanding of the world as a whole 
since, since I mean like I'm like I'm a black person that engages in a lot of media and mediums that uh, society at least at large on a, on a macro level tells me is not for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so like I, I've been working on a fantasy RPG that leans into that feeling and like every single design decision and world building decision for both the fiction and the mechanics uh, lean yeah. into uh, having to interrogate every single aspect of your like of the, the space that you take up um, and having to weigh everything about uh, the way that you are articulated in that world um, as 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 a currency like that's that's what everything feels like um, and the the severe discomfort when when you step outside of that that's coupled with kind of like the the cathartic uh feeling of like that being more true or being more accurate or allowed like being allowed to be more specifically you rather than uh defined by systems are the ways that the world is trying to paint you or at least society is trying to paint you so yeah like that (laughs) velvet noir really like that sounds very resonant for me. Um, it intersects with a lot of things that I, I try to do in my design in general. And like, I, I like provoking that kind of discomfort and making a space for people to either feel that or for people who feel that every day to uh, at least be expert on that. <laughs> like it's, it's empowering to be able to like uh, sit down and say like, oh, I know exactly what's happening here, and like now I get to guide. I, I can guide yeah, the table. It definitely happened that, that way, like. and we had a lot of people going through a lot of stuff after the first event, and a lot of it came from one of our Jewish gamers went. I had no clue how much I needed a Jewish gaming space, and just to sit around with a with like five yeah. other of my people and talk about the things we've been through and make jokes that I can make with my family, but I'm not out to my family or with my rabbi, but I'm not out to them. And here I got to be out and queer and Jewish. And like, that was a revelation for this player. And we had a lot of players in the different cultures go, we didn't know how much we wanted our own space. So we're glad I'm glad it's there. Yeah. It's like social deprivation Mm -hmm. for, for folks and then it hits them like holy shit yeah i've been so goddamn isolated and you just you just feel so you just feel for them yeah and it's also it's also really rough um when when you're seeing someone trying to fit into like the societal definition of uh what it means to be insert minority yeah. here um <laughs> uh because that that actually is uh a different mutation of like whatever power structure is in place. Like part of part of what was so hard for for me um, in gaming spaces and in like sci-fi fantasy, like engaging with sci-fi fantasy is like a lot of like a lot of my my relatives and a lot of my peers that were also black were like, "Why are you into these things? Like when when you're black or just like would reject my blackness." and didn't recognize that like I could be black and into all of these other things, which means that there's actually a script of blackness that's emerged from whiteness um, that, that pigeonholes the idea of like what you can and can't be 
if you are a certain color. Um, that happens with any any minority group, and it's heartbreaking. Like that's and that's kind of what I've been designing around with um, the the project that I'm alluding to. It's it's going through a lot of reconfiguration because of the exact discussions we're having right now, where I'm like, oh, I want to lean into this more, and and I'm trying to figure out um, how best to be biting about it while also um, making an inviting enough game. But yeah, it can be it can be rough. It's it is rough. Yeah, but we're learning. That's that's what we keep just saying. We just keep learning and working on it. But yeah. I love it. I love that we're all like, oh, by the way, we made games because the games that are out there just really don't cut it for us on some level. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Um, I uh, I commissioned art uh for my uh, eventually I'll do a Kickstarter hopefully. Uh, but for that you need some artwork, obviously. Um, and I commissioned a friend of mine, and I was like, here are the rules. Um. I made sure that none of the fantasy races are like a human skin tone or stereotypically race face shade. Um, and then I also was like, here's the rule for the humans. Cause I can only like afford one, one figure portrait mm -hmm. each right now. Cause I'm poor as fuck. <laughs> I was like, here's the rule for the humans. Uh, the representative of the, of the human race has to be like definitely a person of color. I do not want the human races example person to be white and you can do whatever the hell else you want like but they are not white and that that needs to be undeniably obvious in whatever lighting that yes. picture it hits that picture um and then uh as i as i've been writing the um when i when i reference the players characters um the whole book uses nice. they them pronouns nice. for reference to any any character it's all they them, and then it can be whatever the whatever the fuck you want for reals. But it's all it's all neutral. Sweet, but it's gonna be great. There's gonna be uh, furries and airships and furries, and all kinds of cool, and shit. cool shit, and necromancers. Yeah, uh, like five of the eleven clans, and I decided not to call them races. I decided to call them clans to kind of divorce from that. Uh, terminology yeah um five of those are just beast folk so you can be like a fox person a rabbit person a cat person whatever the whatever the fuck you want really um you can be a giant alligator man um who knows kung fu like there's there's no like racial bonuses the only thing that separates the clans from each other is like their magic affinities that are like innate to them um which you choose between two of them right now and nothing is like anybody can be anything like a mouse could be a mouse could have max strength and you're just a super buff mouse person you're like four feet tall but you could bench press like six alligators absurd swole mouse <laughs> swole mouse i'm a swouse how do i get there somebody help me get there <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not even drunk, and this is so funny. I'm, I'm, I am undone. Swole mice. But yeah, I, I just, I like that we were all like, yeah, we're just gonna create content that's friendly to us now. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's beautiful. It, it's really cool. Um, 
I nerd a lot about ESO because it's the MMO I play. And it is absolutely f- fucking amazing how casually gay it is. And inclusive. <laughs> it, there... I feel like that's been like sort of true about Elder Scrolls. For uh, a, for like a right minute. now in ESO. Uh, well, elsewhere is out now. And I haven't found Ed, you know, quite as much gay because I've been distracted by that. The dragons yell Fusro die at you. So I haven't been looking for queerness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get distracted by dragons. They do that. Um, but the characters, yeah. male and female, are all very well-rounded and nuanced and subtle and beautiful, re- fully realized people. Uh, in Somerset, there's a quest with a trans woman elf. Um, and the high elves are, the Altmer are, they're kind of coded to be white supremacists. And by kind of, I oh. mean, if you... I, Yes, if you totally. squint at them totally just are. right in the right light, you'll be like, you know, you their their outfits could be Hugo Boss, circa nineteen thirty something. They're rigidly oh. hierarchical. They're strict gender roles. Everything is like there's no social freedom except in this one. Um, it's called the House of Revels. In the House of Revels, everyone wears masks so they can be themselves. And you're, I, baby, what's the name of that? The quest NPC, Alchemy, is the name of the of the trans NPC, and she's her sister sends her. I'm spoilers. This is a quest that is gay and queer. Yeah. Cope. It's been out for a while. If you haven't done the quest, <laughs> fuck you. I'm. I don't care. Um, um, Alchemy's sister contacts you to find her brother. And he went into the House of Revels, and I don't know what's going on. He was supposed to be this great mage, blah, blah, blah. And as you go through the quest, you realize that the person who keeps injecting themselves into your investigation is the initial quest giver's sibling. And you have a choice at the end. You'd be like, you need to go talk to your fucking sister and you need to sort this out. Or you can be like, y'all can send her a letter later. I'll tell her to fuck off for you if you want me to tell her to fuck off. That's Both, awesome. of, the op- Both <laughs> of the options are valid. And I had a discussion with my husband about which is the better. Because it's the same yeah. damn word. Um, you know, you don't, you're not penalized by picking one option or the other you just get different dialogue about the end of the at the end of the quest um and i said it's not my place like i i've picked both answers because i've done the quest multiple times and i wanted to just you know i'm a content whore and you give me an option um there are some (laughs) quests where there is only one correct choice you know just from an Mm -hmm. ethics perspective and you can't if you pick the other choice you'll feel gross um, and mm. I, I don't want that from my gaming experience, so I won't take that choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, in this, I, mm-hmm. I I took them both, and they both feel organic and very real because they have they have. A, he prefers the talk now, but that might be a dude thing. I prefer the 
this is you, and you do you. If you don't want to talk about this now with her, that's fine. I'll fucking tank her for you, and you can come at it when you feel ready. I didn't. It's a so he's talking. All I know is that my moment with role playing games with the that feeling of just feeling like gross or bad or yuck. The only time that I've really has come through any type of role playing game for me has been Dragon Age, Inquisition, and the fate of the Chargers. Oh my god, yeah, there's only one right answer there. Um, especially I, I basically had to re I, I basically had to go through and replay my game, like start like back to that save point because there is a banter conversation between Cole and uh Bull about what Krem was thinking during that when you choose to sacrifice the chargers and i cry about everything but i was like i couldn't play for like a good hour and i had went like back through every single save point i had just to go back i'm like i can't do this i can't do this <laughs> and i i never had i oh. never hesitated it was like well you can sacrifice the chargers or you can save these resources and these people that trust you. I'm like, yeah. where, where is there a choice here? There's only one, <laughs> one appropriate decision as somebody with limited resources and limited troops. Yeah, they can in, build another warship. In, in my case, it was more the fact of I was trying to go through all the options just to like for story perspective to see what, how everything would go through. But when that banter happened, I couldn't finish the story. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, nope, nope. I, there's too much nope rope. Nope, 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 nope. And I noped all the way back to that part. I had like, I had like at least like 20 saves between then. And I was like, which one is it? I didn't label it Kill the Chargers. Uh, and I just couldn't do it. Um, that was my role-playing, I can't make this decision ever moment. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome, though. I go on about boundaries and role-playing on my blog a lot. So I am so glad that you knew your own boundaries and listened to them. And then made other decisions. More people should do that in role playing. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of boundaries and knowing what is good and respecting that in other in other people. Um, as somebody who's been a guild leader mm-hmm. for uh, a decade now, and then I'm running this Discord server, which uh, on the same rules I run my guild. We're kind of quiet and small now, but we started an EQ2, um, and it's, you know, don't be a dick, don't use pejoratives. If you use pejoratives, I will fucking kick you immediately, and I will tell every guild leader that you're gross um, yep. and disgusting, and I mean, you can be okay with that, but I'm not, and yep. if you have queer people in your life, you should not also, you should also not be okay with letting this person be in your guild. They'll be abusive to people. Um, but yeah. the, 
one of our other rules is um, it's a critical uh, when you're MMO RPing, there is nothing to stop people from being ridiculous. There's no mechanics. There's no tools. It's all trust and collaboration mm -hmm. and out of character communication and mutual respect. Uh, my server, my guild, we have a rule called red light. If some, if you are uncomfortable, if something is pushing, is something is pushing a trigger. If something is doesn't feel right, if you feel pressured, um, whatever is going on, you have the right, and especially in the Discord game, to call red light, put it in all caps, tag me immediately, tag the staff. And that scene is done until we figure out what's going on and we mitigate and we find the workaround that is respectful to all parties and makes people feel safe. And that should be the number one rule of every gaming group ever, is that emotional safety and physical safety. But, you know, physical safety is a lot easier to sort of define. Emotional safety is that whole, I didn't know I needed a space to be a queer Jewish criminal. And here I am having the time of my life and it's wonderful and I feel supported and seen. Um, that emotional safety is something that gets forgotten a lot. Yeah. And it's yeah. very yeah. frustrating and important to me, um, not just because I'm a woman and I present as a woman and women in gaming spaces are, you know, that's... Oh, it's so hard. That's, yeah, that's yeah. not a, a thing that is consistently pleasant. Oh, no. I'm going to post a blog up just about that. Okay, yeah. Um, I worked in a I worked in a game store. We sold some cheap uh, decorative weapons, but one of them was a cold steel. You know, we sold some cold steel practice things like the baseball bat. Um, did I know how to swing that bat? Yes. Yeah. Was, was there a, a gladius that I was pretty comfortable with with the balance and could defend myself with? Yes, because we were in a mall. I would often be alone. And guys like to try to push. But boy, do they shut the fuck up when you're holding a weapon. And <laughs> no mm -hmm. with it. Because they ju there they're just like, oh, it's not a fight. I think I thought I could. I, I, I didn't know I couldn't pick this fight. <laughs> and, and they back out and it's wow. wonderful. And it's possibly a Ren Faire mentality. Uh, we all walk around armed all the time. We've got like a work knife on us. It's it's no big deal. We need something to cut our food or a tag or a piece of string or what the fuck ever. The scissors or I mean I'll cut a bitch too, but uh <laughs> it's we it's just so casual to be armed and to be comfortable defending yourself in that way and being prepared to drop a hand and just change your body posture that says that yes this thing is sharp and i'll hurt you if i have to um that doesn't exist in like a larp space because there's all of this lack of understanding that people have a right to exist and be safe and to and to own their space and you know that comes from 
it starting out as a very cishet male ace. Everybody else feels we talked about othering. Coming into gaming spaces as a woman, as a trauma survivor, I've had two abusive relationships. One of them was intensely emotionally abusive. Uh, one of them had threats of violence uh, to my person. To walk in a male-dominated space and not because I don't know what these what all these guys are doing is torture. And I mean, guys, please help us out here. Yep. Yeah. And you know, that's just me being a woman. It gets worse when you're not playing slightly more difficult than easy mode. Yep. Little adjustment kind of thing you know anyone who's playing a harder difficulty level because because they're a minority anything that increases the difficulty walking into that gaming space is so difficult and it shouldn't be and you know D should be for everyone yeah we all need to escape this capitalist hellscape yeah uh, yes we do <laughs> But it's nice to have conversations like this and talk to know that there's a lot of other people working on it and we're not working on it alone and have those resources to point at other people when they're oh, asking, yeah. how do I work on this? Oh, my last yeah. note yeah. for the heteronormatives in this is pay your minority writers and pay your queer writers and hire a sensitivity reader. Yeah. Just do that. God, yes. I'm done off the soapbox now. <laughs> No, pay your people and hire queer people. They know what the fuck they're talking about. Yep. Yep, yep. And also, don't be afraid to take up space for your queer friends because a lot of them, a lot of us are fucking exhausted. I physically take up space for everyone. (laughs) And you're a big dude, so I mean. I love that. like that. (laughs) I am small and full of rage. It's nice to have a big guy to put out in front so that I can, you know eat a snack or something. Well, you need a shield wall, so... Yeah, but Noelle has, like, big spirit energy. And it's the 90% the corset and 10% the me. Promise you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, um, in my uh, my old college playgroup, uh, when we used to sit around and play Magic the Gathering till 4am on Saturday morning, we, uh, a friend of mine, Audrey, coined the phrase uh, spirit dick. And it was basically like nobody fucked with Audrey. She got that big spirit dick energy though. And that was that was just like a a uh, niche meme for our playgroup because we were fucking I, it, weird. It was great. We're Who isn't? gamer nerds. That weird is like the baseline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> standard. That's just the standard for humanity. That's. Yes. <laughs> Humanity is strange. It's just, is that strange, wonderful, or terrible? Yes, we're all fucking weird, uh, like, existentially dreading death, highly evolved primates yeah. that are just wondering what the fuck is going on. I suppose high, highly evolved is a bit generous. I was saying, well, I don't though. know about dreading death, but I see your point. I mean, at this point, no. I mean, who really dreads death? I simply... <laughs> Wait for the time my list is complete and I can embrace the void 
<laughs> but the list is never done. So. I die a lot in LARPs, so I don't have to think about it in real life. <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> losing is sometimes one of the best experiences if it's handled correctly. Oh, I love it. I'm the, the person who died mm -hmm. at the ball at Magiscola. And they were like, that was cool. A lot of people cried. We don't need to do that again. Like, cool, you told me I could. I'll die dramatically anywhere because losing is fun. <laughs> and I sustain on player tears. <laughs> yes, player tears are the best. I, I I really try, especially because it's personal horror, the game I'm running. Um, I'm like, please, let's do all these dark things. Let's do the the um, besides the, the non-binary NOS, who's just a hot mess. Um, one of our Malkavians is autistic whose life has improved because she died um, and she got help <laughs> for her problems. You know, she lived long enough to get to where she could cope with society instead of, you know, existing awesome. in hell forever um we've got you know the the queer spectrum um we've got people dealing with uh, trauma we've got people dealing with horrific backstories uh one of our characters is and we love him he's a sweet delicate soul who just loves who just wants to talk to his plants and do yeah. blood magic he's a tremere he's a recovering hitler youth He's a recovering oh. and he can't use dominate because of what he lived through. He had so much trauma oh. growing up in Nazi Germany that he's got blo mental blocks that cripple him as a Tremere. And it's beautiful. I'm wow. Yeah, he's like, I, can't, so I real. can't force people to do things. It makes me very uncomfortable. Um yeah, I don't I don't buy dominate on PCs myself. Uh just free will is like a big sticking point for me. I I refuse to write uh compulsion spells into fantasy settings. I refuse to uh buy up magical powers that are compulsion. I just I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, and I can never explain why. I don't have like personal trauma associated with it. I just cannot. I can't. I can't do it. I mean, because it's coercive. I would assume that's why it's so intensely uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. and My viewpoint on that mm -hmm. is a lot to do with making people do what they are possibly uncomfortable with. Um, the very first, uh, Noelle knows that my character, Dre. Um, my character is her child. It was a part of the art we used to do. That's how me and Noel basically met. Um, why we have this podcast. It's Renee's fault we have this podcast. Yes, it's, Rene it's Renee's fault that we have this podcast. Uh, um, even though she won't take the blame, but it's her fault. Um, however, and it's Renee's <laughs> fault that uh, Jabari's on the podcast too, because if I get, get the list from her, I would have never met Jabari. <laughs> <laughs> so we can thank Renee dare. later. <laughs> um, but <laughs> when I first was playing this character, one of the things with the concept was it was vampire still. It was the, the new world of darkness. But even as a character that was playing one of the Deva clan, I refused to get presence on my sheet 
and people were like, why don't you do this? I'm like, well, I have in-character reasoning for it, because he doesn't want to manipulate people supernaturally. He will punch you if he needs to, he will run away if he needs to, but I want people to role-play their characters, and I don't want the crutch of you're not doing something I like, let me use this crutch. I want to be able to react naturally to what you're giving me. And mind control and emotion control and things like that was something I was very much against until, and and then of course I was living in an area where, oh, we don't know what we, you, you, you're scaring us with your role playing we must control you, and I started losing losing faith in my own local game and things like that because people refuse to actually do any type of role-playing. Um, but uh, it's more the fact of I don't want to stifle your creation. If, um, however, if, you're, if your creation is making people uncomfortable in a bad way and not just like a normal role-playing horror way, that's got an OOCN. It's not an IC, it's not an in-character thing. It's a, you're making people feel like shit on purpose because you're an asshole. You need to go. Yes. Yep. There can be a, there can be a lot of that. Uh, this has been fun, but there's a lot of information that came through. So, yeah. um, so, um, <laughs> is there anything that you want to plug, promote, um, let people know about? Plug your shit. Plug your link. <laughs> Give us your links. Um, Tell us your projects. <laughs> Patreon, uh, right. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I have, uh, uh, I don't do Patreon because they take 3% of your profits, but the blog has a uh, patron subscription thing. Um, you can be any level, uh, any color blue you want that's on there. It goes from blue to azure to cerulean. Because I don't like silver, gold, bronze yeah. stuff. I like blue. Like, I'm obsessed. Um, so my patron levels are, like, X dollars per month. And they're just shades of blue. And, like... Good. Um, and they exist in, like, $1, $2, you know? Like, I'm not... I'm not here to get rich. Like if I if I wind up being able to live off this, hell fucking yes, I can make even more content. But uh, you know, and I'm gonna get a uh, button for single time donations here as soon as I can. Um, but yeah, if you wanna just uh, hit up the blog and if you like my shit enough to give me a couple bucks a month, fuck yeah, I love you. Um, it's uh brblamame.com. Uh make sure you include the brb because the just lamame.com is like this weird website that I think is tr- being translated from Spanish and it's about flowers and and booking flights but also like other random stuff like internet and I don't understand what that is. So yeah, uh brblamame.com um Tell your tell your uh, transphobic and homophobic friends to uh, read my no judgment guides. And, yeah, I'll repost <laughs> yeah, give us your fucking link. <laughs> I got everyone right. link. I need okay. another one though. I got this. Yes, I am thespacebetweenstories.com. That is my blog. My Patreon is patreon.com/slash spacebetweenstories. There's no the. 
Um, I I am the lead designer of Velvet Noir. I'm the CEO of Entropic Endeavors, which is producing Velvet Noir. I'm currently designing for uh, Scapegoat LARP in New York City. I'm the workshop organizer for Damarung in Pennsylvania. I'm a storyteller for Dead Legends LARP. And I'm a facilitator for Armistice Arcane, done by Peculiar Crossroads. So oh, I'm I've heard good things about them. All across the country, uh, doing design and consulting and facilitating. And I, and I work for Scientific American, the magazine. I actually have a day job, too. <laughs> So if you would like, we're going to need all those links. Yes. I will put all of those links in there. um, And I would love your support. And if you ever have any questions, (laughs) uh, I do work on a consult basis. So if you need a sensitivity reader or you need a brief LARP consultant, reach out to me. My rates are incredibly too reasonable. And thank you for having me. All right. And Jabari. Hey, so uh, yeah, I'm Jabari Weathers. Illustration at jmwillustration.com. And you can follow what hopefully this year will be uh, my more public uh, game design output at lunarveil.press. Or just follow me online. Uh, On Twitter is probably the best place to find me for games things. Uh, And you can follow Goblin Princet. It's Goblin and then Prince with an E.T., at the end alright so I appreciate everybody taking the time out to join us for this this has been fun Um, this has been amazing you guys are incredible I I didn't expect this to go as well as it did Um, however I I am gladly proven wrong Um, (laughs) that being said (laughs) um, we are at xchromosomepodcast.com you can find all of our links to all of our social media, Patreon, everything there. And we don't have an any We don't have any outro. outro. We're a disaster. Um, but theoretically, I've heard that people love to hear me scream at Craig. And tell Craig to get the fuck out. Get, get out. Go away. Bye. Bye, Craig. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Everybody yell at the bot. <laughs> get out. Why is he still here? Fuck. God damn, fuck.